Spending some time reconnecting with nature this summer? Here's a camping hack from L.L. Bean to make your next trip the best yet. Tired of your tentmate's flashlights shining in your eyes in camp? Bring an empty half-gallon milk jug or clear water bottle. Simply strap a headlamp around it, and it becomes a soft white lantern for everyone to see the light. For more camping hacks, visit youtube.com slash L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. Back to the final four is not on the schedule. He is Rod. I am Cameron, and we are back with the preview to Western Michigan um, coming up uh, tomorrow night, which would be uh, Friday, six thirty. Um, and Rob Western, they won their first game against Hope College, uh, which is like a Division three Michigan school, um, but they won it fairly handily. Um, they got some guys coming back. Of course, they've lost uh, Jason Whitens, who played a, a fairly big role on them to Michigan State. Um, but looks like Whitens is going to be out for the year now with an injury, from what I've read. Not that he would have seen a lot, but we were expecting him to see some time, right? Yes, I think he, I think he would have been. And and let me add, a game like Kansas is a perfect example when the guys who were playing aren't checking. Mm -hmm. He was, he was a guy who I think his reputation at Western was as a good defender. I know he's a good athlete. He was kind of like, um, I would have described him as a Kyle Arns light, not quite as good an athlete as pre-injury Kyle Arns, certainly not, the same level of recruit that Kyle Lawrence was, but that gets you into the ballpark in terms of what I think you could have expected out of him. And so, yeah, that was a loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, that Kansas game to me is a perfect example of where he could have served a purpose. You maybe play him for a four or five minute stint and sit one of the other guys and say, okay, now when we put you back in, do you want to check the way you can? Are you going to keep on doing what you've been doing? Um, that's what they don't have now. And you saw, you know, Pierre Brooks didn't play. Yeah. And so that tells you that, you know, they feel Pierre still needs to make progress before he's and before he's a, a useful guy. And honestly, as a freshman, I expect defense to be his biggest issue anyway. So I'm not sure he's the right guy to use to hold people accountable. So it's going to be an issue, but you know, Western, like a lot of teams this year, and, and this is true in the big 10. I think in, in some ways it's even more the case when you move down into the mid major ranks, roster turnover this year is something to behold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, when you look through these teams, it is crazy. And Western was no exception to that. They had a lot of guys transfer out. They brought a lot of guys in. Now, I happen to think that part of this may be my bias and that I'm familiar with at least a couple of the guys that they've brought in. Uh, I think they may be a little better for it. Hmm. But um, it's it's a team that returns some guys, some key guys. But, boy, they've changed a lot, too. So last year, Rod, they were 4-12 and in the MAC. Um 
And this is Clayton Bates' second year, so it's fair to say they're sort of reloading and, and <laughs> going to try this one more time with all these transfers, huh? Yeah, you know, they they struggled, obviously. And um, it, it was it was a weird transition. You know, Steve Hawkins was coached there for a long time. And for the most part, Western was a pretty competitive program. I would say over the last 20 years, they were clearly the best of the three in-state MAC programs, much more consistent than Eastern or Central. Uh-huh. But they also never had a big, big breakthrough season where they had a big run, you know, a run to the Sweet 16 in the tournament or something like that. That never happened. And the end of Hawkins' run, you know, he had a couple, a couple down years, and they decided to part ways. And Bates had been an assistant there since 2000. I mean, when that job opened up, I wondered, you know, my first thought was that it was going to be Saudi Washington's job, the assistant from Michigan, because he played there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he ended up um, not taking it. And I don't know whether it was ever even offered to him. I also thought that job might be a possibility for DJ Stevens. And that didn't happen either. They went with an internal candidate. I think the jury's still out, but I I just know, as I was alluding to a couple minutes ago, it is going to be really, really tough at the mid-major level, I think, to sustain success because all you need to do is look around the landscape of college basketball. And it's not always the case, but often the equation is going to be, you know, let, let's put it this way. Um, a guy like B. Artis White, who we're mm-hmm. going to talk about, is their point guard. Very talented kid, very good player. If he has a breakthrough season, I mean, a really big year, he's going to get interest from high major programs. And I think what you're going to see, you know, it used to be that uh, the concern was, boy, you don't want to redshirt a guy if you're a coach at a mid-major because that means they're going to be eligible to be a grad transfer and you can lose them right at the point that they'd be best able to help you as a fifth-year senior. Mm-hmm. You know, And that happened a lot. Well, we've gone way beyond that now. <laughs> We're essentially at a point, if a freshman comes in and puts up 20 points a game in a mid-major conference, they can just be gone. That's it. Mm-hmm. They move up the ladder. I mean, Michigan State is going to benefit from that with Tyson Walker, right? Yeah. And there's lots of examples of this. So it's going to be really hard to sustain success at the mid-major level. Um, So, yeah, things are chaotic for Bates, but they're that way for everybody. (laughs) And and I just – I wonder if we're going to see consistency – at that level, the way we've known it in the past. And and here's what we lose if, if that isn't possible really anymore. Uh, we've seen, I can tell you over the course of my paying attention to college basketball, but particularly in the last, say, 20 years, there are multiple examples of programs that by virtue of establishing something, staying consistent, and continuing to win and win and win, have moved up the ladder. Gonzaga is the classic example. Gonzaga, it it would be hard for, say, somebody who's 30 years old to understand this. But, you know, I I went to law school. Classmate of mine had played basketball at Gonzaga in the 80s. Uh 
in the late 80s. And the only reason anybody knew what Gonzaga was at that time is John Stockton had played there. Mm -hmm. That was it. And after John Stockton left, they were a whole lot of nothing for a long time. Uh, it's hard for, it would be hard for people younger than, you know, say 30, 35 to, to grasp that, how nowhere Gonzaga was. Now they are one of the preeminent programs in the country. Uh -huh. They got there because they found a formula. They had some really good head coaches. They found a formula that worked and they worked it and continued to work it. If you had that happen now, I suspect their good players would be very susceptible to being raided mm -hmm. and would just transfer up. And so how are you going to sustain it? You can look in the Midwest. We've seen it with Butler. Butler went from, at, at one point, uh, was a Horizon School League and moved all the way up to the Big East because they happened to have a run where they were able to sustain success and it continued to build and build and build. Would that be possible now? coming from where they came from. I don't know. I have my doubts. So this is just, it's not so much specific to Western, only in that when you look at the roster turnover they're going through, this is a common story everywhere at that level. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a common enough story at the high major level too, but not to the same extent. Um, and, and unfortunately, I think we're going we're gonna to lose that. You know, I, I, I did happen to see Michigan, play, we're recording this on Thursday night, Michigan played its opener last night against Buffalo, which is the preseason favorite in the MAC. And, and Buffalo got up to a horrible start, made a real run at it, and pushed Michigan before Michigan got back on top late and, and won the game. But Buffalo is a veteran team. They've got a lot of juniors and seniors. That's going to be harder and harder to maintain, I think, unless you get really lucky. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a situation where guys don't even emerge until they're seniors. You know, I just think it's going to be very difficult to develop those kinds of programs. Um, you know, and you can't blame the you can't blame the kids either. You know, if you're if you're a player who wants to be on a bigger platform, um, how can you fault someone for wanting that for themselves? You know, mm -hmm. but it's going to make life tough. And I think I think Bates is is kind of seeing what that looks like. Uh, with this Western team. But as I said, I think in this case, they may actually be a little bit better for the movement. We'll see. Mm. We'll see if I'm right. Uh, so if we turn to their starters, uh, you'd mentioned him before, B. Artist White, 5'10 junior, uh, and son of former Spartan guard, longtime Detroit area coaching uh, fixture, Benny White. Um, yeah. And he averaged 14.3 points a game last season um, and had a nice game against MSU with 19 well, if you remember that, and that was, I think it was the second or third game of the season. Yeah. It was prior to Duke. It was after Notre Dame. It was prior to Duke. I remember that. And that was the first moment that I remember at least having a, a WTF thought when it came to Rocket Watts defensively. Yeah. Because he played AAU. They were teammates together. He would be artist white. So he knows his game extremely well. And the rocket we saw as a freshman was obviously a really good defensive player. And then to see that the way he struggled to keep B artist white out of the lane was shocking. And that continued really. I mean, absent a few moments here and there where I thought he figured it out, 
that was a year-long problem for Rocket, and therefore a year-long problem for MSU because he needed to be great. Mm-hmm. But let's not take anything away from B. Artis White. He was a top 100 guy per synergy in pick and roll last year. He shot the three well. He's quick. He's a good decision maker, and he's just effective in pick and roll. And and so effective, Western really, really, really struggled offensively last year. I mean, they were flat out bad. So the only thing they were able to get going that worked with any consistency was the artist white in pick and roll. So that's going to be a challenge for Michigan State in this game. You're, You're talking about a guy who's proven he can shoot, he knows how to run the pick and roll, he can get into the lane and create problems for you there. So offensively, he's a tough he's a tough guy to handle. Mm-hmm. If Michigan State can defend him well, it becomes almost impossible for Western to win. I can say that. He's that important to them, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then Lamar Norman, 6'1", transfer in from Duquesne, um, and he actually is coming home to Michigan, uh, won a state title at Wyoming Goodwin Heights, uh, and had 23 in their opener. Yeah, he had a big game. He was, I think he was five for eight from three. And that's yeah. really what he's been as a collegiate player. If you look at his, his performance, his track record at Duquesne, um, he was a guy with, you know, heavily tilted, like 60, 70% of his shots coming from deep. And he was, he's been okay there. I think 35% shooter over his career. Mm-hmm. Um, good start, obviously, in the win against Hope. Uh, I've been a little bit surprised by Lamar Norman because I really thought he was going to be a star at that level. In fact, I, wouldn't have, I would have thought he would have been a guy who might have been able to be on the program we were just talking about where he goes out and kills it in the A-10 and then is able to use that as a springboard to a high major. Mm. I was a big, big, really, really impressed with him when he was a high school player. And Godwin Heights was just great in the years that he was there. I mean, they were they were a Class B school, but they were arguably as good as anybody for those years. And he was a huge part of it. I just thought he was really going to be um, – a really, really high-level lead guard at the A-10 level. And it's not that he was bad. It's just he never broke through to be great. And he's also been a little more one-dimensional than I thought he'd be. Mm. Um, he really just is primarily a spot-up shooter. Good shooter. Guy MSU is going to have to be aware of, but maybe not as complete a player as I thought he might be. Okay. And then Marquise Hastings, a six-seven transfer from Butler, um, and also a high school teammate in Norman. Yep. Yep. Same program. Um, he obviously got to start at a little higher level going to Butler, the big East. He never had his breakthrough and it was a combination of injuries and just not, I guess, getting the opportunity to play bigger minutes. So it didn't really work out for him there, but, uh, I think Western believes He's a guy that can help them. They they started against Hope, and I imagine they're going to do it again against Michigan State. They went small, so he was really playing the four. He's capable of playing the wing also, but uh, they think he's going to be a a factor for them as a rebounder. He was in double digits in their opener, Um, and they think he could be an effective – you know, he's got some perimeter game, but more damage I think he'll do inside the arc. But he's another guy that I think – along with Norman, 
I don't necessarily expect them to be superstars, but when I look at the guys that left versus what these guys could be coming home, uh, I think Western might get the better end of that deal. I do think that Norman and Hastings can help improve this team. I really do. Uh, then Max Smith, 6'2", senior transfer from Eastern Illinois. Uh, he had seven in the opener, 10 points a game at Eastern Illinois last year. Yeah, he was second team of all Ohio Valley, so he had respect despite not overwhelming scoring numbers. Very, very good shooter. And, and again, that's a commonality here. You're going to hear me say that a lot. A lot of these guys they've added had reputations, had some production history as collegians, as shooters. And given how bad the offense was last year, I think that's what Clayton Bates is looking for is uh, multiple guys who can hit a shot. Yeah. So he would fall into that category. Uh, and then Titus Wright, 6'8", sophomore, had a huge game against MSU uh, last year. He went off for 16-10 and 10 of that game, um, and he averaged 8 Point seven points a game and five point four rebounds. Yeah, uh, if you remember that game, it was very frustrating watching it. <laughs> um, he's undersized. They list him at six eight. I'm not sure he's any bigger than six six really. And he's kind of a, you know, not a not a super toned guy, but boy, he played with a motor. He played hard and really gave MSU fits. Um, is his seasonal numbers were not quite as good as what he did against Michigan State, but uh, you know he's a guy that I think uh, they have some expectations for given his youth. He's only in his second year; they think he can continue to be better. Um, and it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be interesting to watch the matchup early, assuming that Bingham, as I would expect, gets the start. Um, you know, this is a guy very different than David McCormick. Mm-hmm. He's a lot smaller. He's a high-energy guy. He's going to try to get things done that you know with energy, with his motor. He's kind of moving a lot. And and how does Marky deal with that? And then on the other end, can Marcus take advantage of his his lack of of height um, and kind of go over him a little bit? But mm-hmm. um, but Wright's a good you know for for Western and in the MAC where you don't you don't need you know it's not the Big Ten where we've been talking about, you know, every team, it seems, has just huge guys at the five. The Mac's not that way. So Western can can survive with him playing a big role in mm-hmm. that position, I think. Uh, so then coming off the bench, they got Malik McMillan, a 6'9", 230-pound transfer from Valpo. Um, and kind of a disappointing year last year uh, for him. 3.4 points a game, 1.6 rebounds. Um started half the time the year prior yeah his the year prior he had started every game and his production was about twice as much Mm. in scoring and rebounding uh the thing about him is despite his size he's not really ever been a guy who's done a lot on the boards or defensively and even offensively he's kind of more of a finesse scorer as i understand it so um but despite all that six nine two thirty is six nine two thirty and he's got skills. He's got experience at a similar level playing for you know playing in the Horizon with Valpo and more recently in the Missouri Valley. Um, so I, I think that 
you know, they would expect that he's going to be a big part of their rotation regardless. Uh, and probably Thomas Kithier would be the one to take his spot at Velpo. I would who think. had a who had a big first night, by the way. Did he? Both, I didn't, both I didn't hand, see. Yeah, he was. I think it was. I think he had sixteen and eight, something like that. Oh wow! And and Foster Lawyer had a career high twenty seven points. Just killed it for Davison. So, yeah, the, the guys that everybody wanted out. <laughs> good starts in their in their new spots i'm I'm happy for them mm-hmm. uh but yeah i would imagine them adding somebody like kithier probably you know may have prompted this this move mm-hmm. by the villain uh so then josiah freeman six three sophomore uh and he shot 42 percent from three last year so another good uh deep shooter for them yeah they'll just want him to continue to progress and get better and, and earn more minutes but again you know, this is a team that struggled so mightily on offense. Anybody that can hit a shot, I think Bates is going to give it a chance to, you know. Uh, and then Gus Etchinson, 5'11", freshman point guard from Indiana, who scored five uh, and three assists in 20 minutes against Hope. Yeah, you know, he's – what I've read about him, I'm not familiar with this game, what I read about him suggested that he's kind of a stereotypical Indiana high school gym rat kid. Not a great deal in the way of physical tools, but knows how to play, has has well-developed fundamental skills, and thinks the game well. But I, I'm still kind of surprised that he played as much as he did. 20 minutes is a lot mm-hmm. on a team that has B. Artist White, you know. So um, we'll see how the minutes go from here, but a uh, good start for him. Uh, and then a familiar name, Owen Lobsinger, 6'8", freshman out of Flint Powers, um, who came in five points, four boards in the opener. Yeah, I, I've seen him play a, a fair amount. Uh, he was an AAU teammate on the family of um, Jaden Akins, Pierre Brooks, uh, those guys. And on those teams, because they just didn't have much in the way of size, he often had to play the five. And he's really not a five, but um, he had to play that role. He, he kind of did to some extent for Flint Powers as well. I saw him a little less with Flint Powers. I only saw him a couple times with them. Uh, and it was a couple of years ago. Uh, but um, he's a guy that I think in the long run is going to be a really good player for them because he's got some versatility to him. He's had to play inside enough that I think he'll be fine doing that in the back. Mm. And, you know, and then as I say, I think he's got some game to him. He's a guy that in time I think might be able to stretch defenses. Um, You know, nice addition for them in recruiting. Western and Western's actually added a couple players for next year's class. One in particular, uh, a kid from Mount Clements, Javon uh, Hankins, who was a great wing, played for. Bates Fundamentals uh, AAU program, uh, Javon Hanna, um, and is a guy that I think could be a killer in the MAC. And and frankly, I think that kind of injuries have held him back from getting an opportunity to go high major because um, I, I do think he's got that potential. So Bates is doing okay in terms of bringing in these in-state guys that I think have some potential. Mob Singer is definitely an example of that. Mm. And then Cameron Kimball, 6'5", freshman wing from Las Vegas. Yeah, you know, they've got a lot of perimeter players. He he has a reputation as a shooter. Uh, so you wouldn't think with, with 
these more experienced guys in front of him, you wouldn't think there'd be a lot of opportunities, but he played 21 minutes in the opener. So there's something there that Bates likes. Yeah. Uh, and then Danny Culp, 6'9", junior, uh, played 18 minutes in the opener. Yeah, you know, with him, I, I think I would bet that it's going, it's going to be tough for him to continue to play those kind of minutes if McMillan and Lobsinger are as good as I expect them to be. Because if they are, those guys will fill in behind um, Wright and Hastings at the two post spots. And so then there's not a lot of minutes left for Culp. Culp is a, a bigger body, you know, 6'9". He's got some bulk to him. Just hasn't ever really developed in the way I thought Western thought he might. He was a guy that some people thought, uh, he was from Petoskey, some people thought was sort of was undervalued a little bit as a high school recruit. Mm-hmm. And Western's had some success with with big men. They certainly did under Steve Hawkins, finding guys that, that maybe weren't as highly regarded. Uh, they had a kid, Seth Dugan, who was a pretty good player for them. It was a seven-footer a few years ago. And they've had others. And I think the feeling was he would be another in that line, but it, it hasn't quite played out that way, at least not yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Rod, it would seem to me that teams like Western and MAC schools and you know Horizon League schools would inevitably wind up having to recruit maybe a little bit harder than they would typically. If if you get such an increase in transfers going to the the higher level schools, well, that opens up a lot of freshmen, you know, well, across the country. That's still need a place to play but if but if you look but if you that's true and you might get to a point it is possible that at least for a while you might get some freshmen some high school recruits who in the past would have gone to a higher level that may filter down if that's what Mm -hmm. you're getting at um it it might be the case i think where i think they're going to have to recruit harder than have before is in keeping guys that's where I think it, yeah. I, I mentioned Javon Hanna, who's going to be part of their freshman class next year to me. And we'll see how it plays out. I've been wrong about guys before, but Javon Hanna to me, and I've seen him play a lot uh, in both high school and AAU. Um, that's a kid whose talent level, I think could, I could easily see him eventually becoming a high major player. So if he comes into Western and really has a strong freshman season, then I think the job is really, well, hold on to him. Mm-hmm. For, recruit him to stay with your program. And that's going to be where it gets difficult. So, yes, you may get opportunities, and Hannah might be one of those. Whereas in the past, maybe he would have hung around till his till the spring. Mm-hmm. and figured, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself. But we've certainly seen it where guys have had big senior years in high school, and because there are just fewer high school players available, all of a sudden in the spring, you know, I can go back to Mark Smith, who MSU was in on and ended up at Illinois. Greg Elliott, that same year, ended at MSU got in on late, ended up at Marquette. Guys like that who really had to wait until their, the spring of their senior years to have high majors involved. Javon Hanna in the past might have been a guy like that, but I think in the current environment, you know, when we have talked about this before, one of the things that's going to happen is I think there's going to be more pressure on high school guys to take an offer that they like. Because if you wait for something better to come along, you might find it very difficult mm-hmm. to find a landing spot you're good with. 
because those other teams you've been waiting on, they can also fill those needs via the portal. They don't have to rely on a, on an 18 year old to come in and do it. They can get a guy who's played two or three years in college and done some things. And you're going to see that you're absolutely going to see that. So that may help Mac schools at the Mac level, get some high school talent they might not have otherwise gotten in the past, but then the challenge becomes, okay, you got them. How are you going to keep them? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, uh, if we turn to the keys, Rob, um, number one, dribble penetration defense. Pretty big concern coming out of that Kansas game. It sure is. We talked about it a lot. It's, I know that the turnovers get a lot of people's attention. You know, there's some other things but that people talk about. But to me, that was the big story. Uh, it was disappointing because, and, and we understand exhibition games, you're, you're not, what you can take out of those is limited. But I saw some signs that I liked in those games, even considering the level of opposition and all that. Um, that did not turn out to be the case against Kansas. So job one has to be, limiting dribble penetration. And I mentioned B. Artis White was really good in that area last year, and he was a really good pick-and-roll guard, period. So he will present a challenge. Mm. The rest of Western's team, I don't see a lot of guys that I would expect to be attacking the basket as much. They, you know, Somebody like Lamar Norman, his career has mostly been a spot-up shooter. Some of their other guys that are likely to play heavy minutes, it's the same deal. So... This may not be, if Michigan State does well, I don't think you could say, okay, problem solved by any means. But if they don't fare well, that is an indication that we've got a more serious problem even than I've thought we've had now. Mm -hmm. Because there's really one guy who can do that, and you've got to be able to contain him. You know, you're not necessarily shut him down completely, but just turn him into a jump shooter. Don't let him get into the lane and create opportunities and cause havoc, cause your defense to distort and all that. Um, so, yeah, it is important to at least see them play well in that area. Uh, and then number two, turnovers, obviously. that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an old refrain, you know, and I, I got into a discussion about this on the Spartan Mag board, and I think – I think that there is this line that gets dusted off that, well, Michigan State commits a lot of turnovers because they run, and when you're constantly trying to make things happen, you'll make more mistakes. And it sounds good, but I don't think it's the primary reason. I really don't. Um, If you look at that Kansas game, was your recollection that most of those turnovers – came as a result of MSU just trying to do things and, no. and it didn't happen. No. They were silly mistakes, right? They were passive mistakes, just guys not, you know, stepping on the sideline, you know, things like that. Forcing stuff in traffic in, in the middle of paint kind of thing. Yeah. Here's what I think is the bigger deal. Because people say, and I think it's fair to ask the question, why does this happen year after year after year? It can't just be that they look to run because look at a team like North Carolina. Mm. Now they've had turnover problems at times too, but not quite to the level MSU has, and they run as much as MSU does. And we could cite other examples too. I think it's more to do with this. Tom Izzo 
continually plays a lot of guys year in, year out. I mean, it is a rare year that the, I can't even think of a year where the rotation went shorter than nine. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's 10 or 11. And he does that for very specific reasons. He does that because, well, one, he'll use playing time as a teaching tool. So if you're going to do that, that means you're playing more people because you're going to use some guys to teach others, right? Yeah. Guy B plays because guy A isn't doing his job. So there's that. But I also think it's part of the MSU system. When you look at the things that Michigan State values traditionally, it's rebounding, running the floor, and defense. And in all of those areas, I am given to the understanding that Izzo believes you have to play a lot of people in order to make sure you're physically fresh as much as possible on the floor. Mm-hmm. It's why he plays nine, ten guys as opposed to what Bo Ryan used to do, where he his rotation was normally like seven guys. Yeah. There's no one way to do it, but Izzo's way requires this. And when you are playing a lot of people, and particularly early in the season when you're still kind of searching for what the rotation's going to look like, what the best playing combination is, all those things, you might see more mistakes because guys aren't as familiar with each other. Now, I can hear people saying, what do you mean not familiar? These guys practice together all the time. If you think that, you haven't been around it. It takes a lot to get to a level of familiarity that under with, with bullets flying and the lights on that you don't make mistakes. And I think it's also not an accident that generally speaking, Michigan state gets a little better in this area as the season goes along. Not always. And it doesn't mean they don't have, um, they don't have relapses in a game here and there, but generally speaking, they're a little better in February than they are in November. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that's why. So I don't think it's as much the, oh, we're running and it's just mistakes of, of commission. It's that they're, they value certain things which, you know, no, nobody in the game gets away without making trade-offs. It's just like everything else in life. Yeah. yeah. If you're going to say, we want to emphasize these three things, well, there are probably some other things that you're not going to do as well as a result of that. You know, you can't be aces in everything all the time. It just doesn't happen that way. So when you look at Michigan State's program, I think the things that they emphasize at least compel Izzo to think about it a certain way, to play certain numbers of people, and that tends to have one of the one of the consequences of that, I think, tends to be higher turnover numbers because guys just aren't as used to playing together. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But all that said, it's still got to be better. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what's more important than saying, you know, Michigan State's got to be great in limiting turnovers is there's an acceptable level, right? There's a level that you can win with if, by the way, all the things that I am talked about as points of emphasis are at their normal level for Michigan State. Mm. If they're good defensively and they're rebounding well, you can live with a few more turnovers. The problem last year is they weren't good in those areas, not good enough. You know, um, let me ask you, would you be surprised if I told you 
that the turnover numbers for last year's Michigan State team were essentially identical with the Final Four team two years prior? Because <laughs> they were. That, yeah, that's surprising. They were almost identical. Um, I believe the turnover percentage, so that's simply put, the percentage of possessions that you have as an offense that end in a turnover, I believe last season was 175 and the final 14 two years prior with an all-time grade at point guard was 17.3. Basically negligible difference between them. And by the way, the 2012 team that Draymond Green was on, won the Big Ten, was a number one seed in the tournament. They were worse than either. Huh. So you got to keep it in perspective. You know, that's that's one of the things I think that matters is – Okay, turnovers are a problem. Nobody likes them, but you can't you can't really understand it in a vacuum. You have to put it into the greater context. If Michigan State's not going to be a lot better than they were defensively, and they're not going to rebound better, then yeah, it matters even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the turnovers aren't uh, like a byproduct of being over aggressive. Uh, it's mm-hmm. more of like lack of focus. Um, right. It's the kind of stuff that you see. You know, I would say that it's it's funny how more athletic and how more productive guys get when they're comfortable and when they're confident what mm-hmm. they're doing. The way you breed that is repetition. It's playing together. It's knowing a, another guy, what he likes to do, how he plays, where he needs the ball, where he's going to be in a given situation, all of that. And I do think that is more often than not where the issues are for Michigan State. And again, it's a trade-off. You're going to get more of that with Michigan State than some other programs because Michigan State's going to play more people. But they play more people for a reason. And historically, they win that exchange. Historically. Whether they can do that with this team, jury's out. Hmm. Uh, So the third key, Walker. Yeah, I mean, look, Tyson Walker, it's it's hard to even say he didn't play well. He didn't do anything. I mean, it would be one thing if he went out and he shot one for ten. He just wasn't taking shots. That's a bigger problem. I Right now, I would live with a bad shooting night if he was aggressive. Yeah. For, for this, look, I, and I know there are people out there who – think that I'll never give AJ Hogarth credit and that I'm I'm just in my soul opposed to the idea of him being on this team and all of that. <laughs> Not true. I am sincerely hopeful that he proves me wrong and I give him full credit for what I thought was a really good game for him against Kansas. He did the things that he is capable of doing mm-hmm. very well. Here's the problem. Those things are not going to be enough. And the things that I don't believe he can do at a high enough level, which would be shooting the basketball and running an efficient, effective half-court offense, uh, to me, it's Tyson Walker or bust. He is the guy who has demonstrated at the level that he played at and also against high-major opponents that he can do those things. But he's got to actually do them at Michigan State for it to matter. Mm. So 
what we need to see is a much more aggressive Tyson Walker, period. He's got to look for a shot. He's got to be more dynamic in terms of trying to get himself into the lane and either take shots if they're there or find other people. But, you know, finding other people is going to be harder until he makes himself a threat. Yeah. You know, part of what creates a passing opportunity is that the defense thinks they've got to react to you. Right. And, and he didn't do enough of that against Kansas. He barely did any of it. So we need to see a much more engaged, dynamic Tyson Walker in this game. Hey, it just seemed to me a little bit like he was overly concerned about fitting in. Yes, I'd agree. To the point where it was actually detrimental. I'd agree. I think that's the problem. I certainly don't think, don't think, oh, God, he's not. You know, I saw somebody. I, I should not read Twitter. Um, <laughs> but uh, I saw somebody tweet. After the game, at all, Tyson Walker's finding out that the, uh, you know, the things that were there against colonial opponents just aren't there. He's not quick enough. No, I don't think that. I don't even know what you're talking about. First of all, was North Carolina a good enough high major opponent? Because he torched the hell out of them last year. And I saw that game. Anybody can go look at it. It's on YouTube. Um, it, It wasn't that. I, again, I go back to it's funny how much more athletic guys appear when they're confident. Yeah. I used to hear for three years, four years, I heard people talk about how Drew Namick was a stiff who was too slow and too unathletic to deserve a Big Ten scholarship. And then as a senior, when he finally felt comfortable, all of a sudden he was like a, a deer. Not a deer in the headlights, a deer mm-hmm. running the floor. He was one of the most athletic big men Tom Izzo ever had. But you don't always look that way when you're playing indecisively. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, I think what you said is absolutely the case with Tyson Walker. Too concerned about fitting in to the point that it becomes a detriment, becomes mm-hmm. a problem because you're out, you're overthinking it. He's got to just play. Hey, I mean, his quickness was the thing that I was most impressed with. Yeah, that, that I agree. seemed like I absolutely, I this is a guy who's, who's going to be able to handle the speed. That was not. Yes. I agree. I agree. I think he's. I think he's just fine athletically. I mean, I think if somebody wanted to say, "Oh, I wonder about him when he's got to guard a bigger point," okay, there there might be something there. We'll have to see how it unfolds. You know, if he's guarding a six three, six four point guard, that can be a problem. We'll have to see. Mm-hmm. Um, but athletically, no, he's he's more than fine. This is about what's between the ears right now, yeah. more than anything else. Uh, so the fourth key, defend the arc. Um, yeah, and, and I say that not not as an indication of a problem for Michigan State per se, but just Western didn't go crazy shooting from the three against Hope, but you know playing against Hope they probably didn't have to. Um, you know that's a game where physically they were they were I'm sure bigger than Hope was. Uh, when I look at the guys they've added and how they built this team, it sure looks to me like there's going to be an emphasis on being more productive from outside the arc. And so I think to win this game, the way you want to win it, Michigan state needs to be locating and closing on shooters and you'd be contesting threes. Well, but it's also going to be important that they prove able to strike that balance where you could still do that, but yet also not be letting them run wild in the lane. Mm. You know? So that's, that's what you want to see is striking that balance. Well, uh, and then transition. 
Um, you, I, I mean, it's not like they're going to catch Bates off guard. He knows what what he's up against. <laughs> but yeah, but it's hard. These are the kind of games where you expect Michigan State to get yeah to get the transition game ramped up. And, and look, out of that Kansas game, we talked about it in the post game. The fast break points made no sense to me because, and they rarely do. But I I, uh, I thought Michigan State's transition game was actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way AJ Hogard was throwing the ball ahead and, and on occasion just taking the ball to the rim himself. I thought Tyson Walker wasn't bad, at least in terms of getting them into it. That needs to continue. You need to continue to see the wings running the lanes hard. You need to see the, the fives rim running. And we saw a little bit of that with Marcus Bainham, uh, got a dunk out of one of those, um, you just want to see that habit. We always talk about that at this time of year, especially just ingrain that habit to constantly be trying to push. And this is a game where you would expect Michigan state to get a fair amount done. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, any final thoughts heading into Western? Um, just, you know, you, you, <laughs> yeah, it's obvious to say you need to win, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true. Certainly. But yeah. You want to see certain things happen, win in a certain way. You want to see Walker be more aggressive. You want to see dribble containment improve. And and then uh, I think you also want to see the good things that happen in the, in the Kansas game. The play of the guys at the five is going to be a very different challenge in some ways. But then, you know, Kansas went small a lot, so it won't be totally foreign. They 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 saw a similar size to what they'll see against Western at times mm-hmm. in that game. You want to see those guys continue to play well, and you want to see that emphasis on getting into transition there with regularity also. Okay, this one's tomorrow, uh, Friday, 6.30 on the Big Ten Network. Until uh, the post game to that one, the Final Four is not on the schedule. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.